As I shared last week, we will be in Daniel. Um, after studying this week, I thought I was going to be in Daniel chapter 10, as I mentioned last week, uh, but I feel like Daniel chapter 9 is more appropriate. I'll, I'll let you in on how I got to Daniel chapter 10, but and going to go to Daniel chapter 9. In Daniel chapter 10, I was reading and studying during the month of December where God would have for us for 2020, uh, which is, sounds kind of crazy to say that number out loud. Uh, but I was just begging the Lord that God would uh, stir something in us as His people, as His church. And I stumbled upon Daniel chapter 10 in my walk with Him and felt like God was calling us to start this new year based out of this passage to a 21-day fast. Uh, that, that can be however you decide to fast, whether it's from coffee to uh, maybe if I fasted from coffee, Jenny probably wouldn't like it. I turn into a monster. Uh, so maybe I do need to fast from coffee for 21 days, get that out of my system. But whatever God's calling you to fast, begin to ask him uh, this afternoon, this evening, tomorrow, what God would have you give up for these next 21 days, of whatever that would look like. And this is what Daniel did. Daniel, as you know, in, in chapter six, we in the narrative of the book of Daniel, uh, that's Daniel in the lines, then and then seven through the end of the passage um, in verse chapter 12 is all about the visions that God gives to Daniel. Uh, it reads a lot like Revelation. But in Daniel chapter 10, we stumble upon Daniel in the middle of this section. Daniel's about 80 years old. There's a lot of things that are happening in the life of Daniel and the life of God's people. They've been taken into exile. Daniel is broken hearted over it. And, you know, at 80 years old, you would think that Daniel would just kind of sit back and relax. Like his time's done. I, man, I just about got chewed up by a lion. I saw my friends get tossed into a furnace. I've been doing this walk with the Lord for 80 years. Now I can just kind of set sail and just kind of coast. But we see that's not Daniel's heart. And Daniel is broken for the people of God. And he begins to cry out for the people of God. And he says this in Daniel chapter 10. And this is where this has been awakened in my heart for us as a church. But I want to look at Daniel chapter 9. But it comes, uh, we're going to see how Daniel set his face to the Lord uh, in Daniel 9. But it opens us up to Daniel 10. This is what Daniel says uh, in verse uh, one, it says, and the word was true and it was a great conflict. So there's a great conflict that's happening in the life of God's people. And Daniel understood the word from the Lord and he understood the vision because he understood the conflict that the people of God were going through. If, if you want to know more about the conflict they were going through, read the book of Ezra, read the book of Nehemiah. That's where the people of God have gone back to the city of God to rebuild the wall, to rebuild uh, the temple so they could have a place to worship God. And there's a moment in that rebuilding phase that uh, they've been put at a halt. And that's where we find Daniel. It says this, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. Uh, I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, and I did not anoint myself at all for three, four weeks. He basically just prayed to the Lord on behalf of God and to God and God's people. 
then in the next part of that passage, you see this is a uh, Christophany. This is where Christ shows up. Um, that's verses four through nine. I don't have time this morning to talk about that, but this is Christ himself. This isn't just an angel. Christ shows up to Daniel and begins to talk to Daniel. And then in verse 11 and 12, it says this. And then he said to me, fear not, Daniel. For from the time, the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard and I've come because of your words. When I read that passage, I thought to myself, God, what would it look like if we here at Palace Chapel would for the next 21 days humble ourselves and seek the Lord for what he would have for us for 2020? My hope and prayers at the end of this 21 days that it would be said the way it was said to Daniel. That he has heard our prayers, that we have humbled ourselves, and God has shown up because we have done that. We're expecting this year God to do great things. Amen. At the end of this morning and next week, you will have prayer cards. What we'll pray not only for the next 21 days, but what God would have for us for the next year. Um, as we talked last week, we prayed four things last year, and God answered all of those prayers. We're expecting far more than that for the year 2020. But I want to talk to us about this. That we see that Daniel set his face and humbled himself and his words were heard. He was a man of prayer. You see, everywhere in the Bible, except with the Pharisees, prayer and fasting go hand in hand. You see, when I begin to fast and you begin to fast, it's going to open us up to our great dependence on God. And so we need to be dependent on God. That's the reason we fast. is to show God we are dependent on Him. We need Him to supply all of our needs. All of our nutrition. And so we're going to sit and we're going to humble ourselves and cry out to God in our great need for Him. But my hope is this, that you wouldn't just fast from coffee or from whatever you fast from, just to fast. But in fasting these next 21 days, that it would drive you and drive me and drive this church to our knees in prayer. But I want to talk to us this morning, what ought our prayer life look like for these next 21 days? And if not that, for the rest of our lives, we find it in Daniel chapter 9. So if you'll turn one page back to the left. I want to look at several characteristics of what it looks like and what our prayer life ought to look like over these next 21 days and if not that, for the rest of the year and my hope is the rest of our lives. Several things that we see here in Daniel chapter 9. It says this, that Daniel, in verse 2, he says this, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the book's of the numbers of years according to the word of the Lord. And Jeremiah, the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolation of Jerusalem, mainly the 70 years. And so you, you may read this passage and think, man, where are we going to get prayer out of this? We see that Daniel sets his heart in prayer, but now in this passage we're going to see seven ways that he prayed. And seven ways that we must uh, arrange our hearts to pray. 
The first one is this. We see in verses 1 and 2. Prayer, godly prayer, must be grounded in God's holy word. We see that where Jeremiah is mentioned here. Daniel says, I heard the words of the Lord through the prophet Jeremiah. So the way that Daniel starts his prayer is that he gets into God's holy word. If, if you want to know, I, I don't know how to pray, just open God's word and start praying back God's word to him. That's what Daniel did. He simply is praying back to God the prophet's words of Jeremiah that God gave to Jeremiah. And so what was he praying? Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 29. This is what it's talking about. Remember that Jeremiah and Daniel are contemporaries. They are with God's people who were sent into exile. This is what's breaking Daniel's heart is that the people of God are in exile. And so he begins to pray this back to God. And so what is he praying? What is he thinking? What's going on? What's stirring his heart for prayer? We know the famous passage in Jer- Jeremiah chapter 29.11. But it doesn't start in Jeremiah chapter 29.11. It really starts in Jeremiah chapter 4. Jeremiah 29 verse 4. It says this, Thus says the Lord of hosts of Israel to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have your sons and daughters take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. And then he says this. This is what Daniel is praying. This is my prayer for us that we would pray using God's word. But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For its welfare, you will find your welfare. And so Daniel is beginning to pray God's word back to God and asking God for the welfare of the people of God where God has planted them. And so first for us this morning, will we pray God's holy word? And will we pray that God would have and would seek the welfare of this city? Will He seek the welfare of your lost Neighbors. That's God's word. That's God's desire. That's God's heart. God in His goodness and His kindness and His sovereignty has placed all of us here in this community for a reason. It's not just because it's a cheaper housing market. It's not just because it's a little farther away from Nashville. No. God in His goodness planted you here for the welfare of the city. So the first thing I want us to pray for is the welfare of this city in accordance to God's holy word. Do we believe that God has placed this church and this community for His purposes? And we must pray according to that. So will we pray and will we be grounded in God's holy word in regards to this city? But beyond that, will you pray God's holy word to Himself? See, when we pray God's holy word to Himself, we begin to know and understand the purposes of God. You, you want to know what God's purposes are? They're all found right here. 
And so if you ever wonder what God's purposes are, then I would beg you to say, you must not be getting into God's Word enough because God has revealed all that He wants us to know through His Holy Word. And so do we know God's purposes? You know God's purposes if you know God's Word. He does not keep everything hidden from us. There are some things He does, but for the most part, He has revealed Himself and His purposes through His Holy Word. So prayer must be grounded in God's Word. The next thing is this. Godly prayer must be grounded in God's will. We see that in one little phrase in verse 2. Daniel understood God's will because of that two words, the 70 years. He understood that God was doing something in the life of His people for 70 years. He understood the will of God. And so are we going to know God's Word enough to understand God's will? You will not know God's will if you do not know God's Word. You cannot know God's will without His Word, not vice versa. And so do you know the will of God for your life and for this church's life? Prayer must be grounded in God's will. God's will is revealed to us in His Word. The next one is this. Godly prayer is grounded in fervency. Let's read in verse 3. He says this. He's praying the Word of God. He's praying for the will of God to be done. And then he says this. And then I turned my face to the Lord, seeking Him by prayer and pleads for mercy with fasting and sackcloth with ashes. We see we must turn our face to the Lord. The turn our face in the Hebrew simply means this. That we will turn with all of our might to God. Think of some other times that we hear those that phrase. He set his face towards, this is what it says of Jerusalem. He set his face towards Jerusalem. This is what it says about Jesus, about Jerusalem. When he had knew the, God's word, God's will, he prayed fervently for God to use him in a powerful way. And so we must set our face in these next 21 days to seek all that God has for us. If there will be times in this time of fasting and prayer that, that it is going to get draining, but we must set our face to hear from God. And to see what God is going to do. Will we fervently pray these next 21 days? I don't just mean pray, you know, at dinner or pray when you go to bed. I mean, will we set our faces to beg God to show up for us? Earnestly show up for us? Will we be known as fervent prayer people? The next one is this. Godly prayer is always grounded in knowing God's people. Meaning this. This is one of the places when you're a preacher, you look to keep the, the points the same. It doesn't make sense, so I'll make sense out of it. Don't laugh, Jared. This is what I mean by this. You look at Daniel's prayer life. He goes on, he says, I've turned my face to the Lord. I'm seeking Him by prayer and 
pleads of mercy with fasting and sackcloth, I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commandments. And then for the next several verses, I want you to highlight, underscore, look at all the times. He does not use the word I very often. He uses the word we. He understood. Daniel understood that God had placed him in a community. And Daniel understood that his community mattered and that he could not live in isolation. And so he's crying out to God for not only himself, but for the people of God. I wonder, church, and this is a deep conviction that I have since studying this passage and looking back over the last year in my prayer journal and thinking there's been so many times in my prayer journal that has been littered with the with I statements rather than we statements. Like I often go to God for myself. But if I took all my prayers for myself and put them on a scale and put it on the we for the church, it's going to outweigh. My eyes are going to outweigh the we's. But Daniel, we see his we's outweigh the eyes. He had a heart for the people of God. And so for me and for you, these next 21 days, how much will we not just pray for ourselves, but for everyone that's sitting beside us? We must pray for one another. We must pray for this church. Every one of us should take our Sunday school roles and who sits with us in Sunday school or in our small groups or sits in our row and begin to pray by name for them that God would intervene for them the same way you're asking Him to intervene for you. We must be grounded as a community of people. We must pray for God's people. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 16 or chapter 6 verse 18. We see the Apostle Paul and what he says about this. Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 18. He's already talked about the full armor of God and putting it on. And then he says this. Praying at all times in the Spirit all prayer and supplication to this end, keep alert and with all perseverance, making supplications for who? All the saints. All the things that Paul could have said right after telling us to put on the full armor of God. He doesn't say pray for yourself. He says we make supplication for all the saints. Are we church making supplications in prayer and are we going to fast for one another? There are many things that are happening in this life of this church. Some good, some bad. If there's marriages in our church that aren't doing well, are we pleading to God on their behalf? There's people in here that are, are sick with illness. Are we pleading for God on their behalf? Not only that, but there's great things that are happening in this church. Are we rejoicing with them as well? Are we making prayers and supplications for all the people of God in our church? So we see that prayer must be grounded in God's word. Prayer must be grounded in God's will. We must be fervent in our prayer life. We must be grounded and pray for one another. And the next to this, godly prayer is grounded in godly 
confession. If these next 21 days, we do not confess the sin that was within us, we will miss out on all that God has for us. If you look at Daniel's prayer here in Daniel chapter 9, the bulk of his prayer is about the confession of God's people, how they've walked away from the Lord. And if we're honest with ourselves, all of us in this building, in some way, in some shape, over this last 24 hours, has sinned against God. And are we praying to God for confession and saying exactly what He said? God, I pray to You, O Lord my God, I make confession to You. And then He says, we have sinned, we have done wrong, we have acted wickedly, we rebelled, we turned aside, we rebelled against Your law, we did not listen. And on and on and on He goes. And so our prayer life these next 21 days must be littered with confession. And it will start here. Like if you need to confess, come to me, come to one of the deacons. We want to pray with you the same way that Daniel was praying on behalf of God's people who had wickedly sinned against God. So that God would turn from His wrath, that God would turn from His judgment and bring forgiveness that Daniel says is going to come. But we have to turn to God through repentance and confession to receive God's mercy and grace and steadfast love that's talked about in this passage. So will your life, will my life, will this church's life be based on godly confession? The next one is this. Godly prayer is always grounded and understands God's character. Do we know God's character? I want you to take notice of all the times he talks about God in this passage. He says this in verse 4. He's a great God. He's an awesome God. He's a God who keeps His promises or His covenants. He's a steadfast, loving God. He's a God of righteousness. He's a God of mercy. He's a God that forgives. He's a God who relents. He's a righteous God. Are we in our prayer life, do we understand and know the character of God? One of my greatest fears in my life is I don't truly know the character of God. I know about God. But do I really know the character of God and all of His characteristics? Do I really understand what it means to have a God who's steadfast? Do I really understand what it means to have a God that's righteous and holy? And on and on and on we go. One of the greatest books that you can read about the character of God is The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. It's a small book, about 130 pages at best. But A.W. Tozer in the beginning of his book says this. And it's been true for me. It will be true for you. He says this. Whatever comes into our mind about who God is first is truly our deepest understanding of who God is. So do we really know who God is? Do we know the character of God and do we believe in his character? I would recommend all of us grab that small book and for the next 21 days read the knowledge of the holy, to understand 
God's character. And lastly, is this. When we begin to understand and pray God's Word, when we begin to understand and pray for God's will, when we pray fervently and we pray for the people of God and we make confession and we understand the character of God, it will ground us in the glory of God. He says that in verse 16 through 18. He says this, O Lord, according to all of Your righteous acts, let Your anger and Your wrath turn away from Your, your city, Jerusalem, Your holy hill because of our sin and for the iniquities of our fathers. Jerusalem and Your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now therefore, O God, our God, Listen to the prayers of your servant and the pleas for mercy. And for whose sake? Your own sake. For your glory. Oh, Lord, make your face or your glory shine upon your sanctuary. Who is the sanctuary of God in the New Testament? It's you and me. That's what the Apostle Paul tells us. We are God's sanctuary. So may God's glory shine in and through us. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolation in the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. Oh Lord, hear, oh Lord. Forgive, oh Lord. Pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, my Lord, because of your city. And your people have called on your name. All that we do in these next 21 days is not for us, but it's for Him. Turn with me to Psalm 115. And with this passage, we'll close. This must be our prayer. I would ask that all of us for these next 21 days, at least once a day, open God's Word to Psalm 115.1 and pray this back to Him. Because as much as I want to see God move and as much as I want to see God bless this church, I pray this would be our prayer. Psalm 115.1 not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to Your name give glory for the sake of Your steadfast love and for Your faithfulness. Not to us, not to us, but for Your glory. I pray that at the end of these 21 days that we would see the glory of God in this place because we have set our face to pray and beg for Him. And so again, Will we be people that are grounded in God's Word, that are grounded in knowing God's will, that fervently will pray these next 21 days, that we will pray with and for one another, that we will make confession, that we will understand and know God's character, and we will do all for the glory of God. May God bless us tremendously in 2020. Next week, I'll bring cards for all of us to take home and begin to pray every day for these five things that God would have for us 
for 2020. Let us go to the Lord in prayer this morning.